0: that things can be more difficult, more challenging, more discouraging in many ways. There are other times in life where things are less of those things. And this morning, I want to share with you a, a message entitled, Comfort in a Time of Trouble. If you have your Bibles and you would, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1873, a Belgian priest named Joseph Damien de Vouster was sent to minister to lepers on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. But the people there shunned him. They would not accept him or his ministry. But he stayed there, faithfully trying to reach them, struggling, working. He did everything that he could for 12 years with no one ever responding to the effort that he was making. After 12 years of working and serving and doing everything that he could, he finally decided that it was time to leave. And so he made his way from the interior of the island and was reaching the coast where he would board a boat at the docks and head back to his country. But when he reached the docks, he was met with some news. Not very good news, in fact. They told him he could not board the ship because he was showing signs of having been infected with the leprosy disease. And indeed, he had contracted the disease. So he turned around and went back to his little hut. And he returned to the leprosy colony. and. As he did, word quickly began to spread of what had happened to him. And people from the colony began to gather outside his little hut, and they wanted to know if he was okay, wanted to know if there was anything they could do for him. But the real surprise came on the following Sunday when he went to the chapel as he had done for 12 years previously, and no one had ever come. Suddenly the chapel was full. There was standing room only. Every chair was taken. People were gathered around. He could not believe what was happening that Sunday morning after all these years. What had changed? What had made the difference? It was the fact that he was now one of them that he understood and he could empathize and and he could uh, could recognize where they were coming from as he ministered to them because now he was one of them perhaps in our life we have gone through and or are going through some challenges in life difficult times maybe it's illness uh, maybe it's financial maybe it's a loss of a loved one all all kinds of different difficulties, challenges, things that we call the storms of life, sorrow, pain. But those things can later become through us a blessing to others. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. If you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 13 through 18. But as we begin the the message this morning, I want us to look at just verse 18 for just a moment and hear what it says. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The idea of comforting one another. Uh, Of using our experiences in life, the pain in life, the challenges, the difficulties in life that we've gone through And using the comfort that we received during that time to comfort others during their time of difficulty, challenges, sorrows in their life. Paul wrote this letter of Thessalonians to encourage Christians to live a sanctified life in light of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. In every chapter prior to this, at the end of the chapter, he talks specifically about Jesus' soon return. Coming back to them quickly is the idea. But then here in chapter 4, he turns his teaching to meet a specific need in their life. He begins to talk to them about a way to bring comfort to those who have, have lost loved ones... were Christians. And and while this was the original intent of the message, the principle of comfort to others from us reaches beyond just the loss of loved ones to, to every area of life. And so we see in the text today the idea of hope and comfort for believers. Pick up with me, if you would, in verse 13, and let's read this text together. But, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose uh, again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive... And remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He writes and he communicates and he says, listen, you are, others have gone through this experience in life and what I want to encourage you is you've gone through this and you've received comfort, then transfer that comfort to others who are going through those struggles. And he specifically instructs us in regards to three areas. The first is this, ignorance of death breeds hopelessness. Notice what he said. He said, listen, we do not want you to be uninformed. We don't want you to be ignorant. We don't want you to misunderstand or not understand not having been taught about death. And so we want to talk to you about death. He says we want to communicate to you about the loss of loved ones and what that means and the reality of that in your life. And so, as he begins to communicate, the first thing he says is if, if people are not informed, if they do not understand, he says they are hopeless. And he uses that term. He says, for, for I don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope. Those who have no hope, they are grieving, they're struggling because there is no future. There is nothing that they see positive that's going to happen down the road. But he says, if you are informed, then he says, you will not grieve as those who have no hope. Now, notice what he did say. He didn't say that you will not grieve. There will be grief. There will be sorrow. There will be pain. The more we love, the greater the sorrow and pain will be. But he said, you will not grieve as those who are hopeless. Because there is a future, there is a plan, there is something that I have in store for you who are believers. Folks, that's why it's so important this morning that we find people who we love and we care about and make sure that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's because he says, in relationship to this there is a truth that we're going to see that knowing Christ makes all the difference in the world. We do not want you to be uninformed, he says. We don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope. And then he goes on to say this, the gospel makes hope real. The gospel makes the hope of the future a real and legitimate thing. Notice what he said as we continue in that text. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. He says the gospel makes hope a real thing. He says even though we're going to mourn, even though we're going to grieve, even though there's going to be sorrow, there's going to be pain, if we believe, here's where it begins, if we believe, That Jesus is the Son of God and He is Lord and Master of our life. Then He says, when God returns, He's going to bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Him. That means believers. That's why it's so critical that we make sure that those that we love and we care about know Christ as Lord and Savior. Because in that, there is hope for the future. There is the return of the saints. Did you hear that in the passage? He said, he's going to bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Those who are believers, who are deceased, those who are believers, who are gone, who are dead. He said, when he comes back, they're going to return with him. They're coming with him when we hear that shout. And when we hear the voice of the archangel, he's going to be accompanied with all the believers who who, throughout history who were children of God, who have died in Christ, he said, they're coming with Him. They're going to return. The second thing he says is there will be a resurrection of the body of the departed believers. Notice what he says as we continue in that text and how he communicates that truth for us. He says this, he says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain... Uh, until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout of an archangel, with the voice, uh, I mean, with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's the resurrection of those believers who have gone on before us, the bodily resurrection, as they return. He said, in that return, there will be a resurrection of their bodies. And so we see see the return of the saints. We see the resurrection of their bodies. And then he says, this is wonderful. He says, then there's the rapture of the believers. He says, then we shall be called up by the Lord to join them. He said, "There's, there's going to be this rapture. And the believers who are here when Christ returns, they're going to be called up together. He said, they're going to join them in the air. And he says in relationship to that, that that we must understand that that not only is there this, this return, not only is there this resurrection and this rapture, but then he says this, there's going to be a reunion. We're going to be gathered together again with those believers who've gone on before us. Those who have passed out of this life into eternity in Christ Jesus. He says when God returns, if we remain here, he says, we will not perceive them, but we will join them. And when those bodily resurrections occur, then it doesn't matter what state they're in or where they are or where they've been or any of those things, He said, they're going to be resurrected, we're going to be raptured, and we're going to be reunited. That's the hope. That, that, that brings us comfort. That says to us that while, yes, we are apart now, while those that we love are gone from our presence there will be a day if they are believers and we are believers and we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and we've accepted His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness and His love, He says we're going to be reunited with those who have left us bodily and there will be a reunion that will take place that will bring great great joy, great, great happiness, great great satisfaction to our hearts. And He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. I want you to understand all about this because understanding this gives you hope. Understanding this says to you there is a day that there will be a reunion. There is a day that there will be a rejoining of our lives with those who have gone on before us if they were in Christ when they went before us and if we are in Christ when He returns. And that's why believing and the relationship with Jesus is so important is because it gives us a hope for the future that others do not have. I do not want you to grieve as those who have no hope. We have hope because we have Jesus. We have hope because we have a future and that produces a present comfort. Our hearts are comforted because we know that there is a day coming that if we remain faithful to Him and those who have gone before us died in Him, that there will be a day of reunion. And so while that day is in the future, it gives us comfort in the present. It encourages our hearts today to know that there will be a day of reunion, that there will be a day of seeing others again and loving again and and embracing again. And, And so He says we need to be comforted. And then the final thing he says is this. Comfort one another. The comfort that God offers comes from each other. He has allowed us to go through these experiences in life. He has allowed us to encounter these things in life. And he has comforted us in those things so that we can comfort one another. It is our ministry. It is our responsibility to take the struggles and the challenges and the difficulties of this life and to be comforted in that, in the Lord, and then comfort others with that. That we don't go through those things for no reason. We don't go through those things with no purpose behind it. He says, when you experience those things, then turn around in the comfort that you've received and comfort others. And so he says, comfort one another. So when we go through things in life, Maybe someone's here today that's gone through a divorce. And through that divorce, they experienced comfort. And they know someone that's going through a divorce, and they have a responsibility to comfort them with the comfort that they experienced when they went through that. Maybe someone here has is, is, is lost the job. And they've struggled with the loss of that job. Oftentimes, we, our identity is tied up in, in our job and our work. And they've really struggled with that. But through that, they receive comfort. And they know someone else has lost a job. And He says, take that comfort and go comfort them. Go, go give them some encouragement. Go help them. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's someone facing cancer. Maybe it's... You, you can put anything in the list. And he says, if you've gone through that, then, then whatever helped you get through that, ever how you were comforted through that, ever how you made it past that in your life, he says, when you see someone else going through those same struggles, he says, go take the experience that you had and comfort them with that. Comfort one another with these words, with these experiences in life. And so, so I ask you this morning, Are we comforting other people? Are we taking the time through the experiences that we have gone through in life and the challenges and things that we face, are we taking time to reach out to others and comfort them with the comfort that we've received? Comfort one another. When you reach the end of your life, when I reach the end of my life, how will people remember us? Will they remember us as people who cared, people who comforted, people who reached out to help others when they were going through struggles and difficulties in life? One morning in 1888, Alfred awoke to read his own obituary in the paper. Now that would be kind of a shock the obituary was printed as a result of a journalistic error. For you see, it was Alfred's brother who had died. And the reporter had carelessly reported the death of the wrong brother. And so Alfred woke up and, and his obituary was in the paper. And he began to read the obituary. And, and anyone would be shocked by that. but But obviously, in this case... Even more so, it was overwhelming for Alfred because he saw himself as others saw him and he had never recognized that before. He had never realized just exactly how people looked at him in life. And so Alfred was, was determined that from that day forward he was going to change things about how people perceived and looked at him in life. For you see, Alfred was the inventor of dynamite. And in the invention of dynamite, he was saw as a father of death and destruction. That dynamite was used to to kill and to destroy. But from his invention, he had gained, gained great wealth. And, and with that wealth, he determined that he was going to make a difference. And so in his last will and testament, he set up an endowment that would give a prize annually to others so that they would look at him differently in life. He established this endowment and these annual prizes for outstanding contributions in physics, in chemistry, in medicine, in literature... And in peace. Later a six was added. And that's in economics. And thus his contribution to the betterment of mankind. It was what Alfred Nobel is remembered for today. And what we refer to as the Nobel Peace Prize. But Alfred wanted to be remembered for something better than just inventing or creating something that would destroy and take life. And He's remembered for the good that He has done in regards to this prize that He established. So I ask you again this morning, what will you and I be remembered for? When our life comes to an end, what will people say about our contribution to, to their life, to others' lives, to those around us. Will we be remembered for those who cared, those who comforted, those that were used by God to touch others' lives, or will we be remembered for something else? You and I have the choice. You and I can, like Alfred, choose from this moment forward. To determine that our life is going to be remembered for something positive, for something good, for the cause of the kingdom of God. If that's not where your life is today, then as we prepare for the invitation this morning, we have an opportunity to make some choices. To do things differently in our life from this moment forward. To choose, to make a decision that our life is going to count for something. And we'll be remembered for caring, for comforting for making a difference in people's lives. So, as we prepare to sing, I don't know how many times I have to say, as we prepare to sing, come on, come on, let's stand together for this decision on your heart this morning. Won't you come as we stand and we sing?